Hello everyone, I'm Sarah Willis and I am just loving podcasting with the Deutsche Grammophon's star-studded cast of musicians. My guest today started to play the piano at age six and he always had two dreams, to play with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra and to play at Carnegie Hall. He has done both and he is only 26 years old. Oh, and he won the 2015 Chopin International Piano Competition along the way. The Korean pianist Song Jin Cho has just brought out his new album, The Wanderer, and I am wondering about all his wanderings. Oh, that was a good tongue twister. Hello, Song Jin. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. And bravo for your album. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Did you have far to wander today to the studio? Well, it's not so far away from my place, so it just took like 15 minutes. We're both Berliners. Right. <laughs> How have you been enjoying living in this incredible city? I really like the city, to be honest. Like, is I, I was in Paris and I moved to Berlin two and a half year ago, and I found the Berlin is more, um, how can I say, easier to live in, and you know, more international than in Paris. And there are so many young people here, so I feel very comfortable when I'm here. What about the food? <laughs> I I discovered many good restaurants. There are so many Italian restaurants and also Asian, like Japanese, Vietnamese, Chinese, and not so many Korean, unfortunately, but I hope there will be more fantastic Korean restaurants. Well, around where I live in Charlottenburg, there's some. There's a whole street that's dedicated to, to, to Asian food. There's some really good Korean places coming up, so uh, yeah? you'll have to come over. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, congratulations on, on your album. So the, the title of your album is, of course, based on Schubert's piece, The Wanderer. We were laughing in the in trying to yeah. record the introduction. So I kept saying the Wanderer, which is how you'd pronounce it in German. This is why it's called uh, the Wanderer. But you are also quite a wanderer yourself. You have wandered around the world. I think musicians, soloists are wanderers, aren't they? You spend most of your lives wandering. Yeah, normally yes, but these days we cannot. But yeah, we uh, we travel a lot uh, and we are on the road all the time, basically. So maybe like young generation or these generations, musicians are like Schubert's life back then. So uh, Schubert's music is always very personal and, and especially his song Vandera he was like see you say Vandera as yeah. well <laughs> he was like the, the the song is about the seeking for the happiness and it's very melancholic so yeah I can find some similarity between our lives what keeps you company on the road because I, I play the horn in, in, in a great orchestra and I, when we're on tour there's always lots of us when you're on tour you're alone when I play the, the recital tour, yeah, I'm basically alone and it's kind of, uh, I, I sometimes get bored because I'm always alone, but still I somehow enjoy to be alone because I have more time to think and more time to um, relax and it's, uh, I'm very, I feel very free when I'm alone. And of course, uh, when I played with the orchestra, sometimes I hang out with the orchestra and musicians and some people. And of course, when I play the chamber music, it's the same thing. 
it's a funny life, isn't it? Because we we need to be alone, but then when we're too much alone, we don't feel like being alone. But but musicians seem to sort of need this. I definitely need this time before a concert. On tour, we're surrounded by a lot of people, but but my orchestra will they'll all go to their rooms in the afternoon and and be quiet because it's sort of preparing for the 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 music in the evening. And I only have the responsibility as one of the horn section, you know. But if you're giving a recital, your responsibility is for the entire piece, the the composer, what he thought, what he wanted. How do you prepare on the day of a concert? Um, my daily routine is quite simple. And I really wonder the other's daily routine because mine is so simple. So I always, always wonder what they're doing um, during their free time, like after the rehearsal or before the concert. For me, when I play with the orchestra, normally the rehearsal on the day of the concert is in the morning and I have lunch afterwards and I go back to hotel and uh, take a nap for no, no, no more than two hours. That's a long nap. <laughs> <laughs> no more than two hours and then um, go to the hall around five o'clock if the concert is eight. And then I just warm up for two hours. Um, if I can play on the stage, I just check the piano and talk to the piano technician. And I change from 7.30 and I play at 8. <laughs> it sounds so simple, doesn't it? But I, I totally agree with you. I think, I think our days, our concert days need to be structured because I, I like that piece before a concert and I love the excuse of having in a nap. On concert days. Yeah, I had a lot of experiments. So I, once I tried to practice a lot before the concert and tried to, I mean, sleep a lot before the concert and tried to eat a lot, but nothing helped actually. So having a good balance is, a, is very important for me. Do you have a special secret food that gets you through sort of maybe nervous days of concerts? Because we horn players eat bananas when we when we get nervous. Um, I'm always nervous, so <laughs> any food could <laughs> couldn't help me to to get get me like feel comfortable. But I don't eat meat before the concert because it is too heavy for me. And I don't eat fish. <laughs> so uh, what I can eat is like uh, carbs, like pasta or some rice. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to be healthy or light before a concert. Yeah, sounds good to me. Your new album, The Wanderer, The Wanderer. So it's not only based on, on Schubert, but on this, 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 this lifestyle that, that you and also the composers on your album Berg and List um, have also, also experienced. Why, why pick these three composers? First of all, making the program or deciding the program is the most difficult for me. And probably one of the most important things for musicians and I always have concentrated on one composers when I recorded for Deutsche Grammophon so I recorded Chopin, Debussy, Mozart album but this time I wanted to play a record like recital program and I thought this will be a good idea because it's somehow their music are connected 
Liszt was quite impressed by Vandal Fantasy by Schubert. So he made a transcription for piano and the orchestra. And uh, the structure-wise, they have a lot of similarities. Um, like there's no break between the movements and the last movement, so-called last movement, start with the fugue. And there's not so many materials, like not so many themes um, in the music, and they just developed uh, into a great art. That's the similarity. And Abambeck Sonata is also in one movement, and he also used small, like not so many themes, and he developed it. So somehow structure-wise, they have all, all similarities. And musically also, it is quite heavy, I can say, and romantic somehow. And for me, it's like a big picture or a big mountain. It's, uh, some pieces like Chopin Preludes, it's like a fairy tale, but this is like a a huge story. It's like meat and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> After, like I mean, steak, really, yeah. if you look at your other albums, you know, you, you will forever be the guy who plays Chopin because because of your success. I mean, that that was just incredible. Um, and your Chopin album is, is so, so beautiful. And then Debussy, which is also very light and airy and impressionistic. And then these three big, you know, quite heavy pieces. Yeah, I thought it was time to eat some steak <laughs> <laughs> but not before the concert <laughs> not before. <laughs> I must say that the Berg was a very nice discovery for me because I must admit to not being the hugest fan of the the the, the Viennese school you know the Weber when you see Weber and Berg and Schoenberg and I was thinking okay well, what's this going to be like but it's it's quite it's quite tonal and and very pleasant to listen to Yes, it is in B minor. It sounds like atonal music, but actually it is in B minor. So it is quite interesting piece for me. And to be honest, I'm not a big fan of uh, the <laughs> the second Viennese school either. Like Webern is too difficult to. I don't understand, understand Webern. It's I've really tried hard. It's it's very difficult to understand. I think sometimes I'm not intellectual enough, you know, because I just think, oh, everyone else is saying this, isn't this great? And yeah. I don't hear it now. I'm outing myself here. <laughs> but whenever I ask to my composer friend, they say like Weber was a genius. Exactly. Yeah. But do you like but, to listen to it? Um, in the concert hall, yeah. <laughs> 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 Not at my home, but anyway, Ivan Bergsonata is, I think, it's a really great piece, masterpiece, and it has a lot of characters or figures. I find it is quite romantic, mysterious. Sometimes I can feel like Wagner kind of heaviness, sometimes very melancholic or lightness. So it's very complex music and I find it very fascinating. Did you listen to any of his, of his operas? Because I found, I, I played in an Wozzeck. opera orchestra for 10 years, mm. and you really hear Wozzeck in that, I found. Yes. You know, Lulu maybe not so much, but Wozzeck really, there's a lot of that in there. Right, yeah, I agree. 
It's a great piece. I'm glad you enjoyed that. And thank you for introducing it to me. And the list was very interesting because, I mean, you, he was in, influenced by the, the, the Wanderer, the Wanderer. But there are many more notes. <laughs> <laughs> list was famous for having huge hands. Now, his hands were, I think, 19.6 centimeters from the bottom of his wrist to the top of his, his middle finger. And I was having a quick look at your hands and there's, there are no way that, that your hands are that big. As a pianist, when you're playing list, do you have to have big hands or do you just have to be able to move quickly? What is this myth about, and Ratmaninoff as well, you know, they're, they're famed for having big hands. Do you need, obviously you don't because you've just recorded it, but are you aware of that? You know, sometimes I wish I have smaller hands and sometimes I wish I have bigger hands. <laughs> so I don't know what the ideal size hand size well for it doesn't any... really matter does it because you have your hands but <laughs> <laughs> um, listenata of course it is difficult technically I mean but musically it is really deep as I told you before it is not a fairy tale uh, he tried to talk about one person's life with his listenata I guess I can hear like everything, every human's emotion, like love or death, um, sometimes humorous and sometimes melancholy, ly lyrical. Almost everything is in this piece. And it is long, it's 30 minutes long piece, but it doesn't feel so long to me. Uh, it feels like 15 minutes because structure-wise, I think, it is quite well written and very logical. So, yeah, I find this is a great piece. When you're talking about all these incredible emotions that, that go into your music, if you forgive me for saying this, you're very young. <laughs> I read you like to go to museums and, and look at paintings when you lived in Paris. You know, you, you enjoyed that side of things, really sort of enjoy the, the masters, uh, you know, of the, of the arts and everything. Do you get your, your deep emotions more from influences from outside or from your own daily experiences because it's 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 a really really big thing for an artist where what to put in your soul that can come out in your music do you know what i mean yeah i think of course i get i get impressed when i go to museum and when i see the great paintings but i'm always mostly influenced or get emotional when I go to the concert or when I listen to great music. So um, we cannot experience everything. Like some people, of course, like Schubert's life was not so pleasant, like compared to uh, like other composers, his life was really miserable. He, he, he died so young and so we cannot 100% understand his emotion. But when we listen to his music, somehow we can understand his emotion. So the music is a great experience for me. And it helps me to understand a lot of things. And yeah, it just touched me every time. And um, I can learn so many things from the music. What emotions would you say go into a performance of the, the Wanderer fantasy? Um, the first movement the, uh, and outer movement is very confident and dramatic. 
I always imagine about a young man who is trying to conquer the world, very confident. And the second movement is about, um, it's related to the Wanderer, finally. Um, the, the, he used exactly the same theme, same melody line, and um, it tells about um, like happiness. I mean, he he's trying to find the happiness. That's what he's was trying to say through this his this music. So, second movement has to be um, introvert and very personal, very human. And third movement is like a waltz. So I always imagine. Can you dance? No. <laughs> a waltz, Viennese waltz or Lentler. Yeah, this kind of thing. Beautiful. When when you are recording, I was wondering this because when, when, when I'm doing a recording, it's rarely on my own. And you have the situation where you finish playing something and then everyone just goes into the box and listens to it. If you are recording alone like this recital program, who gives you the feedback? Do you have people with you during recordings or do you just rely on your recording engineer or do you have an agent with you? Does your mum come with you? <laughs> who, who, who do you have to tell you this, this is good or do you rely completely on your own intuition? For me, um, recording is very different from the live concert. And honestly, recording is more difficult for me because I need some kind of like tension. <laughs> and it helps, some kind of stress helps me to, <laughs> to play better, <laughs> I guess. So when I recorded Vander Fantasy, I think it took like four days to record Vander and Aban Bergsonata. I recorded in Berlin. And the last day, um, Deutsche Grammophon or my producer invited like 20, 30 people into the studio and I just played like a concert. I, I just played through and they didn't clap, they didn't upload after after the piece and it was the best track, so I used it, <laughs> the bass. <laughs> That's really fascinating. So you need this live experience. Yeah, somehow it helps. So how have you been in this entire corona lockdown time? Berlin Berlin is you know, getting back to normal, a new normal. But how was it for you not having that live experience, really being, being at home and, and practicing by yourself? So since I won the Chopin competition, I always travel all the time. And finally, I mean, I, I was very happy in the beginning that I could stay at home more than two weeks in a row, which rarely happened to me since 2015. But I started to worry about so many things, like so many my friends, they suffered and they're still suffering. And I also worry about myself and the music world. So... I was kind of stressed in April and I didn't practice so much because I couldn't concentrate so much. Um, it was like preparing for the exam, but you don't know when 
the exam, <laughs> it, it will be. So that's why I couldn't concentrate so much. So I just uh, watched movie and television, YouTube, and I listened to a lot of music. And of course, I tried to play the piano. Uh, but it was interesting time because I didn't practice, but I played the piano. So someday I just wanted to play all Bach partitas, and I just played through, like uh, I just sight read, and just for my pleasure. And I didn't have this kind of time before, so it was very interesting time for me. But getting back on the concert stage, I know you just had a few chamber music concerts. You jumped in and saved the day for Sol Gavetta at her festival, um, not knowing any of the repertoire. So bra uh, bravo you. But what was it like getting back? It was a small audience, but what was it like getting back in front of an audience? What was that? What did that feel like? It was, it was really exciting week, I, I must say. So I got a telephone call from Christoph Miller who is running the Gustav Festival in Switzerland on Monday evening. It was like 9 p.m. and he texted me, Songjin, have you ever played the Beethoven Trio Opus 11 and 38? So I fortunately had a Beethoven Trio score in my practice room so, and I looked, but the, the, the score what I had was Band Zwei. <laughs> <laughs> but Opus 11 was in Band 1 and oh, no. Opus 38 was in Band 3. <laughs> so, but you said yes and you went. And I just listened to it on YouTube and it sounds not so difficult. Uh, so I said, maybe I can do it. So I texted to my manager and they're happy because I, we we played also with Sabine Meyer, who, who is also working with Katie Schmidt. So I went to the, the Dusman <laughs> and I bought the score in the morning, the next day. And they the the concert was in on on Friday, so I wanted to leave in the morning on Thursday, but they asked me to come over on Wednesday because they were they were worried because that week the many flights from Berlin to to Zurich were cancelled, so they asked me to to come over on on Wednesday. And there was no flight on Wednesday. It was fully booked. The only option was flying there on Tuesday <laughs> in the evening. So I started to pack. But wasn't it nice to pack after so long not packing? Right, it was so weird. <laughs> it, it didn't take so much time <laughs> because everything was prepared already because I didn't <laughs> travel these days. And I arrived there like almost in the midnight and I just practiced on Wednesday and Thursday and I started to getting nervous because it was not easy. No, it, <laughs> it certainly is not easy. Especially Opus 38. It was Beethoven Septet and Beethoven made a transcription into trio. 
and I had to, pianist had to play all the notes from <laughs> all the woodwind players. But what was the feeling playing in front of a live audience again? Did you, did you realize what you've been missing? I mean, we all know that we've been missing, but I, I must say we had a little horn quartet concert and we had 20 people listening. And when they applauded at the end, I almost burst into tears because I'd right. forgotten this feeling of, of people acknowledging what you've done. It was really something. Um, I realized that we still need a live concert. I mean, not online concert. Of course, online concert is important these days, but at least I need the audience and I need a live concert. Um, that gives such a, such energy and such an excitement and it's like a reason to leave <laughs> almost because maybe I'm too used to be on the stage or... I, I I like to be on the stage, but I missed it so much. So I was really um, not happy, but more than happy. Yeah. We had a lovely tour together when you had your debut with the Berlin Philharmonic um, with Sir Simon Rattle. You played in Berlin, but then we, we went on tour to Asia. And I remember girls screaming for you at the at stage doors. You in Korea, you are like uh, a member of a boy band. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Midori from Japan, she actually says you look like the lead singer of, of a Korean boy band. I don't know what they're called. Um, <laughs> that, that's quite a thing to deal with. The incredible fans. I, <laughs> well, I don't think I look like a <laughs> like a boy band or something. I apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. But what 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 I meant was that it's wonderful. I I have the feeling in Asia there's a lot more young. The people are younger somehow that go really crazy for classical music, you know, and, and, and in Korea, also in Taiwan, it, it seems to be a younger audience. And I was just wondering why, do you, do you agree with that? And do you, yes. why, what is the reason for this? I think especially Korea, uh, the audience, they're really young. And what I feel and what I heard, they are really into classical music. And I don't know why, and I cannot explain, but somehow classical music attracts Korean people. So for my experience, when I was a child, like learning some instrument was very common thing. And we always hear about some classical musicians, Korean classical musicians like Myung-hun Chang or uh, Sumi Cho. So... We learn about them and we learn about classical music since when I since when I was a child. I don't know these days, but when I was a child, classical music was yeah, quite important for our lives. They they talk about a guy called Son Jin Cho. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I saw the girls outside the stage door. I know what huge fans you have there. And I think it's wonderful that we are attracting a younger audience. And I look forward to the day where we can go back and yeah. tour. I bet you are as well. Are you looking yeah. forward to going back to your touring days? Or are you still enjoying the peace and quiet at home? Of course, I want to play a game on the stage. And I was supposed to be in Korea in July. But... Uh, it has been postponed, and I uh, we are trying to find a 
that some date this year um, because the situation in Korea is not bad compared to many, many countries. So there are still some concerts with a limited number of audiences. So hopefully I can be back soon. Yeah, that's what we're saying in the Philharmonie as well. Hopefully we'll be back soon. Hopefully you'll be back with us soon, yeah. <laughs> playing playing on stage in the Philharmonie. And uh, congratulations for your for your new album. It's It was re- a real pleasure to listen to. Mm-hmm. I used to practice the piano. In fact, I took up the horn because I wanted to be a concert pianist and I needed a second instrument. But then when I started to play the horn, I realized actually I was much better at that <laughs> than playing the piano. So usually at the end of our podcasts, we have this thing called the Horn Challenge. And uh, now don't look scared. I'm not going to make you play my horn in Corona times. But we thought, how could we turn it around? And I thought maybe you could challenge me to playing something that that you you have heard a lot. What would you say would be the horn part in in one one of your concertos that you dread to hear the most? Because, you know, horns have the potential of ruining a concert. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, um, I'm always nervous when I play the Tchaikovsky Concerto number one before <laughs> I play the first chord. <laughs> I understand that. So I'm now going to um, pick up my horn and I'm going to try and not make you nervous. So you have challenged me. This is the, the horn challenge today is to try and play a version of the Tchaikovsky first piano concerto without making Son Jin Cho nervous. <laughs> That's your cue. Wow. <laughs> brum, 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 brum. Okay, so next time when we do another podcast, I'm going to get you to play that. Your challenge will be to play the beginning of the Tchaikovsky piano concerto on the horn. On the horn. So if lockdown goes on for a while, you know what you're going to be practicing. <laughs> Sonjin, thank you so much for joining me. It's really great to talk to you. And I hope we see you again very, very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you who are listening today. I'm Sarah Willis, and I'm looking forward to welcoming you all back here very soon on the Deutsche Grammophon International Podcast Series. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.